I'm going to finish tonight. Actually, never knew this series would have four parts, but I promise. <laughs> or I'm not going to promise because it may not be that way. I think this was the last one. And it's give it up for Jesus. And the last word, word is put on love. Everybody say put on love. And, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, you don't, you know, that's, that's being a fake. Well, I heard somebody say, fake it till you make it. Uh, I heard Joyce Myers say once, do it in fear. If you're fearful, do it anyway. Do it in fear. And there's some things we just do in life. uh, It's the first time, and we have to walk through those places and trust God for whatever it is that God's going to have us do. And I I want you to turn to Colossians tonight, uh, 3, 12 through 16. I shared last week, and I think I mentioned that my Bible uh, study this year and going through the Bible and reading through the Bible is in what's called a leadership Bible by John Maxwell. And he takes examples of people in the Word of God that... Uh, the way they do things and applies them to leadership and and the right way to lead, the the not-so-good way to lead, and gives examples by Bible characters, which uh, for me has been really uh, a great teaching. And he he says over and over in his different, um, uh, I guess you would call it his contribution to whatever he's seeing in that scripture, uh, he'll say, character is always more important than gifts in a person's life because if their character isn't developed, then their gifts will never be able to be fully used by God the way God wants to use them. And I I did hear uh, Joyce Meyer say once, you know, uh, your gifts can get you places where your character can't keep you. And so it's important. Uh, The gifts are from God. They're within us. We develop them to the best of our ability. But uh, I've learned over the years that the gifts of God, and I'm teaching right now on gifts of the Spirit, but all the giftings in me that will make a difference in somebody's life, come by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're anointed. Everybody say anointed. And God doesn't need help with the anointing. But what God does need help with is the vessel that carries the anointing. And that that vessel would be proven in a way uh, that says that their life looks like what God would have it look like, not just a life that can say things, but never actually do them. And uh, it's in the doing of the word, it says, that makes it uh, a reality. So as I share this tonight, um, I believe God is taking us to another level, all of us, all the time. How many of you aren't where you were last year, but you're not where you're going to be? Amen. You're on, on your way to somewhere, and God knows where it is. So, you know, whether you're coming or going, you're safe because the Word of God says He's got you coming and going. So, as we look at this, I'm not saying anybody here has achieved all these things to perfection, but perfection is maturing in the things that God has put in His Word at the level that He's asking us to at this point in our life. So, as we're looking at this tonight, uh, don't examine your life by what I do or what your neighbor does, or what your husband does, or your wife does, or your friends. Base it on the Word of God for where you are. And let's look at it first. I'm going to read 12 through 16 of chapter 3 of Colossians. And we're going to read it first in the New King James. And it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, everybody say put on, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, everybody say the number one thing, put on love, which is the bond of 
perfection of maturity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now I want to read it in the New Living Translation. Every translation that uh, over the years, God's had me read lots of different translations, and they all give more enlightening to what the truth of the word is. But this says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, everybody say holy people. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a holy person. Okay. Uh, You must clothe yourselves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And you can just go ahead and roll them, Sandy. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. And then the last, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now the Message Bible, this is the last one we'll look at, says, So, chosen by God for this new life of love. How many of you know we live a new life of love? That's what this says. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. God has certain clothes that he wants us to wear. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. And then be even-tempered, content with second place. Now, this is very important for where I believe the church is going. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, (laughs) wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Okay, it's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Uh, Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. And last, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. How many of you know the word works really well with common sense? You know, that there's, there's the truth of the word, and it, it doesn't always make sense to our understanding, but there is common sense that when appropriated with the word of God can make a huge difference. And sing, sing your heart out to God. Amen? And uh, I love this scripture. Years ago, God gave me this scripture, and especially the part that says, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. At that time, I had a friend who made this green dessert, which I still love to this day. And uh, it was pistachio, and, and it had whipped cream like on top. It's so good. I have to make it every time we have a family get together. Now I have to make two because my granddaughter Rachel sneaks out one of them when nobody's looking. She takes it. And so, it, but it, what it was, was it was so rich. Have you ever had something that's just so good and so rich? And so it gave me a definition for the word of God. You know, a visual is always good. And so when I, every time I see the scripture, I think of the green dessert. Now, you know, that may not be a good, because it's not 
good to eat a lot of green dessert, but it, it says richly. Everybody say richly. That means that let the word of God be so much a part of your life, so much a part of your life, you know, that it's just so fulfilling. It's just like over the top. And that's the way I feel about the word of God. So as I, I was finishing this message, and I'm going to share a little bit about myself. I thought about giving you guys these examples, but then I thought better of it. So I decided to use myself. Uh, <laughs> You know, somebody says, I heard somebody say once, well, they talk about themselves. Well, I thought, well, I could talk about them. And then I thought, oh, that wouldn't go over very nearly as well. So I'll just use myself, okay? But uh, John 21, it isn't to lift up myself because nothing of me is of value. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's a song I used to sing when I went through the time of God healing my heart at the keyboard. Only what's done for Christ will last. And in the book of John, we finished last week with, um, I talked about Jesus saying to Peter, do you love me? And he said it three times. And uh, the, the Bible says uh, in some commentaries that, that it's phileo love the first two times. And the last time he's asking agape love, which agape love is totally different than a feeling love. It's not an emotional love. It's a choice. It's a decision. And, uh, but it's not a decision that can be made with human understanding. It's a decision that has to be made of the heart because the only love that is that kind of love is the love of God. Uh, We will never in our natural ability have agape love. It only comes from the throne room of God. And as I studied this and I was specifically reading in that leadership Bible, uh, Maxwell said, love motivates service. Well, you know, right away I thought of 2 Corinthians 5, where it says, let the love of Christ, it compels us. Everybody say compels us. It compels us to reach out to others. It's the love of Christ that compels us to reach out and be all that God's called us to be. And, and in that commentary, he said that that was what motivated Jesus. That's what motivates the Father. And I believe what he was saying to Peter was, I have to know you can love like this. Or you can't lead for me. Because if you're going to lead for me, the only way you will be able to do it is with this kind of love. And uh, I've been a leader long enough in church uh, that I understand that that's true. You know, when you have a, a church and you, have, you invite hurting people, which when we first started this church, my husband and I, uh, the Lord said, uh, you know, build a place where my sheep will be safe. But he said, they'll be hurting people and they'll come from everywhere. Well, we learned very quickly, hurting people hurt people. And hurting people strike out and hurting people speak through filters of hurt and wounds that if you're not... If you're not uh, walking in agape love, well, well, they could take you out. You know, um, you know, you you could be like some people today. You need Jesus. And when the person gives them guff, they say, "Well, then go to hell and walk off." You know that that's that's not necessarily that they don't believe in Christ. It's they've not developed. Everybody say developed, <laughs> developed the love that God's put on the inside of them. And so I believe I believe that was Jesus' question to to Peter. And the reason for the question. And, and he wanted to be sure Peter knew, everybody say Peter knew, what love he was going to be walking in. Not love of feelings, because see, feelings are what motivated him to deny Christ. Three times he denied Christ, and then he wept. Everybody say, that's from feelings. See, the tears, are, now feelings are good, because Jesus also wept over the city of Jerusalem. So feelings aren't all bad, but... Peter was totally moved by emotion when he denied Christ. So if he was going to serve Christ, he had to be totally 
contained in the agape love of, of Christ. And so as I was looking at this, God was speaking to some things in my life, but um, he began today when I knew that I was going to share tonight. Um, the first word I heard was put on love. I heard that. So I thought, okay, well, you know, it also says in the Bible that we're to put on the new man. Everybody say the new man. And, uh, and in Ephesians, it talks about the new man. And, you know, all of these are, are similar, but it says uh, in verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. It talks about how the, the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. That means they walk in the flesh. They walk in understanding that's their own uh, devised understanding, maybe from circumstances, maybe a little bit from God, but it's not a person who's walking in agape love or with the understanding of the new man. So if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, everybody say put off, concerning your former conduct, the old man, excuse me, which grows corrupt and according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's why it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we have to renew our mind to the truth of the word of God. Why? Because our mind thinks one way and our heart thinks a different way. And they're not always in agreement. Uh, And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on, everybody say put on, the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now that that what that refers to that new man is the new creation. And that creation is something that the Holy Spirit did on the inside of you when you were born again. So within us uh, because of the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we have every component of of the spirit of God available to us. And we're going to talk tonight at the very end about Romans 5. But it says the love of God has been put in our heart. But like everything else in our life, we have to develop that. And it has to be put on sometimes. Everybody say put on. And uh, it isn't like put on like I really don't want to do this, but I will. It's like, okay, I can't handle this, so I'm going to have to put on Jesus here in order to get through this. It, so it's it's, it's a little bit different. You know, um, I was thinking when I was looking at this, uh, my sister, um, from the time we started this church, um, she, she just as always, even from a young girl, liked to be like people, you know, like people. And, uh, and, and she, would, she had two pairs of glasses that she wore when she taught Fruit of the Spirit. One pair was her Diane Hughes glasses, because Diane Hughes was a Bible teacher she wanted to emulate. And the other glasses were mine. She got glasses just like mine. So whatever person she decided to be that night, when she taught, she'd put on her glasses. And, uh, you know, to her, she became that person, because she just got the glasses on. It's kind of like Superman, you know, when Pastor John opened his shirt. Now, we all know he didn't turn into Superman Sunday when he put on that shirt. I mean, you know, he, you know, he has a lot of Superman's attributes, but, you know, he didn't, you know, lift buildings or jump or do anything for us. So, but, but for her, and, uh, and just recently she said, oh, I don't want to be Carmen anymore. Well, you know, how many of you know who Carmen is? 
Uh, when he became a singer and he taught youth and sang, I mean, she would get a good, she thought she was Carmen. She'd put on his songs. How many of you know her? You know that's true. And uh, I took her traveling with me, and, and she couldn't be Carmen because he's a guy, so she became his sister. And she called herself Carmelita. And <laughs> so in Mexico, if they ever ask you, she'll, her name's Carmelita down there. And, uh, but she would sing Carmen's songs, and she would sound just like him. Uh, you know, back in the day, I won't tell you how old she is, but there were singers that she <laughs> sang just like. And so for her, she would put on that character and then she would go for it in, in, that, in that character. And just the other day, she said to me, I, I don't want to be um, Ricardo Sanchez anymore. I want to be Israel Houghton because I want bongo drums. I said, Good. And she said, but Corey said, well, you'll have to get behind me because he wanted to be his real own. <laughs> well, you know, he's just teasing with her. But for her, it's a real thing. It is the real thing. It's, it's the real thing. You know, God made us to be who we are. But really, as believers, we're supposed to be just like him. And uh, God said to me, you know, uh, this is a phrase today. I'm just visual. Have you heard that? You know, my, my daughter-in-law, she's visual. And the, this little lady right here, they draw. I used to think they didn't like my messages because all I saw was the top of their heads. But then I realized they draw in all kinds of pretty pictures down there. And uh, my, my granddaughter's just like that. They're visual. And God said, well, you know, you know uh, the whole world's visual. Could somebody just look like me? Are you getting this? The world is looking for a visual and the visual of God is love. That's all he is. God is love. And so his love, because it's been put in our heart, I mean, and love doesn't come easy in our lives. Because uh, I'm going to read you the, the, the uh, definition of agape, but I'm going to save it for a little while because I need to keep you in the flow here. And when I read it, I don't want any of you going down on me. Okay, Ephesians 6.10 says, put on the whole armor. Everybody say whole armor. Now, uh, I guess, I guess Paul just liked the put on scriptures in this protect particular book, but into this church, but he says, uh, finally, everybody say, finally, what did we say before about love above all else? So he says, finally, in all this teaching, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. How many of you know the devil has a lot of things he does to come against us? It goes on and it says in verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on, everybody say put on, the breastplate of righteousness. So there's a lot of things that God says to us, you need to put these things on. On. Righteousness is not about how right we are. Uh, righteousness is about how good he is in putting us in right standing with him through the blood of Jesus. So these things that God's asking us, put on the new man. We had nothing to do with that. That was totally the creation of God. So when we put that on, and I have a, I have a picture of this, because um, I was thinking of, of different pictures of things. Because when we see photographs of things, oftentimes it'll, you know, It'll make a, a visual for us, and we see what something's being said and what they're talking about. This is my grandson, Jack, when he was little. B.B. helped me, and I was teaching this scripture, and uh, we dressed Jack up, and there he is. 
we stood him on a chair, and we talked about dressing in the armor of God. I think everybody got it that day, but it was his smile, I think, that really made people get it. And then the second picture of him is when he's all done, and uh, he has his whole outfit on. And uh, he was too little to be embarrassed, so he did a good job of it. But, uh, you know, that's God is asking us to to be like that, to put on everything he tells us to put on and not be, it, it's kind of dress up. Everybody say dress up. And, uh, you know, my little granddaughter, uh, Annabelle, or Molly, Annabelle's quite the drama, but Molly um, is like, got the double portion. And so, uh, I don't know what, I think. And uh, so we were on vacation, she's four, and uh, I didn't know it, but I guess everybody makes fun of me in my visor. Now, how many of you older women, you know, you wear the visor that sticks up like this in your hair, but it keeps the sun out of your eyes. Well, I didn't know that it was a fun thing, making fun, but until my daughter Lori comes roaring in the house with a visor for Molly and says, I can't wait for John to see the picture. He is going to crack up over this. I thought, why is he cracking up? I mean, it's a visor. Well, then I got the idea. Uh, it's because, you know, they, don't, they make fun of my... I'm the only one who wears one of all the girls. But um, <laughs> I just like a visor. And so, I, and, and you know what? It, it covers a bad hair day really good because you just <laughs> flop it up. Nobody sees, you know. You look like you're okay. And so, I need a lot of help. So, I just that visor on. So I got to show you, this is my granddaughter. She gets her visor and she comes right down to show me. And at uh, first I, and she's got my lipstick on cause she would say in Florida, I need the, I need grandma time. And then here she'd come right down there and she'd get all her stuff on to look like me. She put my shoes on, put my lipstick on and there she'd be in my bathroom talking the entire time. So I took this one of her and me together so she'd have something eventually so we could have our, and and I I took that, you know, like this. I didn't do too bad. In a mirror. I had to use a mirror. But uh, how many of you know that the children want to imitate? They want to imitate their, their family. And uh, the other day I looked up and she had on, she said, I want a dress. I said, I don't have a dress. It'll fit you. So she put on a top. She had all my jewelry. Now I do wear quite a bit of jewelry. So she put everything on and here she comes in these shoes with all my jewelry and this top on and says, I need lipstick. Okie dokie. Put the lipstick on her. Now, I, you know, my kids say that I'm, I'm uh, much nicer to my grandchildren than I was to them. <laughs> but I have a lot more patience uh, that I've developed from raising them. Hallelujah. Um, but also, you know, um, I've grown in God. I have grown in God. And I think my, uh, th- the gifts of the Holy Spirit are easier for me to flow in than they were when I was first learning. You know, they've developed. Everybody say developed. And so, uh, you know, how do you develop these kind of gifts? Well, I believe a lot of it is through denial of self. Everybody say denial of self. Now, I did think that uh, I, I thought having children was like the best. But I found out once you have children, uh, then you don't get to think about yourself so much. You you have other people to think about. And uh, and. And I believe in the world we're in today, we have some opportunities because a lot of adults are trying to still think about themselves and they got all these 
other people to think about and they don't want to think about them because they, you know, we're getting in this mode of everybody wants to do what they want to do. And so it, that we've lost sight of how this all works. But, but in God, everybody say in God, there is a purpose for every single person on the face of the earth. And we all have responsibility, if you understand agape love, that everybody becomes what they're supposed to be. And so at any given time, it can change who we have to be in order for that person to become what they're supposed to be. And uh, I was looking at the definition of agape love because uh, we all know, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Um, it's in the Word of God. It's sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12, which talks about the giftings of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can do in the earth, and, and, it, and the body of Christ and all of our parts, how we all fit in the body of Christ. We're not the same, but we're all members of the body of Christ. And then he sticks love. Paul sticks love right in the middle of that. Then at the very end, 1 Corinthians 14 comes after this scripture and says, but I desire that you not be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And I believe he knew that when he began to talk about what the Holy Spirit could do and that how we all have to flow together, he was going to have to talk about agape love. Everybody say agape love. Because none of these giftings work without agape love. Because agape love, it says, now by faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. If you look in Romans chapter 5, this is what it says in Romans chapter 5. And uh, Paul's talking to the church in Rome, but it says, um, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Now, that's the, God's ability to do the things that we cannot do in our own ability, in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Everybody say tribulations. Um, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God, everybody say the love of God, has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, I'm going to read you agape love, okay? Now, we're all growing in this, so none of us are here, but I believe it should be our objective. Uh, A word to which Christianity gave new meaning, this kind of love. Outside of the New Testament, it rarely occurs in existing Greek manuscripts of the period. Agape denotes an undefeatable benevolence and an uncomparable goodwill, unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he does. Maybe I should put this on paper and we could hand it out because this is really good. It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. Pretty heavy, huh? But the good news is it's not your love. It's his love. Everybody say his love. All we have to do is yield to it. And that is a decision. Um, agape is more a love by choice than philos or uh, phileo love, which is love by chance. And it refers to the will 
rather than the emotion. Agape describes the unconditional love God has for the world. Now, we all know um, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish. says he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Um, so, so we know the love that God had. We know that Jesus had love because he got on that cross and died for all mankind. And, and he, he did that because he loved his father, number one, and because he loved all mankind. So, so we have uh, an example of that, although um, when we look at that example, it is an example that, that we often see maybe in the body of Christ like we need to. Uh, but it requires, I believe, what we just read, that we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So if you look at John 3, uh, John 13, 34 and 35, if you could put that up for me, Sandy. Right before Jesus began to talk to his disciples about him, him, him leaving, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now see, agape love, we just said, it prefers the other person. This is, the, this is a different kind of love. That you love one another as I have also loved you, that you also love one another. And then the last one, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. Um, if the world is visual, and we're coming into the time of a revival that I believe is coming... Uh, I've been excited about this revival for a long time, but I didn't quite realize the cost. Everybody say the cost. And I believe the cost of this revival for the church is that the church submit to that kind of love. And that it's not just something we do because we want to get something. It's something we do because we want there to be life for someone else. And uh, as, as, I've, as I've been reading this... Um, I don't know when it was, summertime or sometime, maybe it was even last year. I lose track of the years. But uh, God gave me a message on, as he is, so are we in this world. If you look at 1 John 4, 17 through 19, it talks about that we will have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And that would give us boldness in the day of judgment, perfect love cast out all fear because fear has torment. Now, this is just what God has been showing to me. The, the, the thing that the enemy is perpetrating throughout the world is fear. Fear. Uh, if the body of Christ walked in agape love, how much different do you think that we would look? But we cannot walk in that kind of love unless we know that God is going to take care of us because this kind of love has no security in anything except him. Doesn't have security in job, doesn't have security in home life, doesn't have security. The roots go deep and they go deep in Jesus, not in anything else. And we have to become absolutely nothing so that he can be absolutely 
everything. And, and I have seen that river. I've seen the fire in the river. Uh, I've known that there's going to be such a rush of, of, a, of the anointing of God in the earth that if people didn't get caught up in it, they would be crushed by it because it's going to be so powerful. But it's going to be love. Everybody say love. It's going to be by love. And they're going to know us by our love one for another. Now, I've watched this over, over time. And um, it says in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it talks about don't quench the spirit. Everybody say don't quench the spirit. And uh, in my Bible, there's a commentary about it, which I'm not going to go into all of it tonight. But it talks about all the things that are of uh, man that can be done to, to try to do what God wants done in the earth. But, but the bottom line is, uh, true spiritual fires dwindle when we allow the excitement of crowds and miracles to dull our ears to the hearing of the foundational truths of the Holy Spirit's counsel. And, and so there's a lot of things going to be buzzing and going in these last days. But for us individually, for us to be ready for what God's getting ready to do, I believe it's that we develop. Everybody say develop. And I read it in Brother Copeland's Faith to Faith. It was in there, too. So I know God's speaking it to me. I don't know if he's speaking it to anybody else. But it was develop love. It's a, you have to practice. And uh, I've had three or four things in my life that have been very, very difficult for me. Very difficult for me to do. And all of them required me to prefer somebody else. Uh, and, and let them be whoever they were going to be and not hold a grudge. The first one was way back then. I, just, I, told, I talked about it in here when, when I got divorced. And uh, my whole family was still in business. They had the business. My ex-husband had the business. And I was out. And, and I, had to, I had to walk in love. And I tell you, it took me five years <laughs> to learn to do that. But in doing that, I became free. And my life became a light to other people. Uh, not because I tried, but because of what God did on the inside of me. And, and I heard this from the Lord, um, and, and I believe it is God. Um, what you have suffered this time will help you do what I need you to do. Everybody say suffered. How many of you know when you have to give up a little bit of yourself, it's, you suffer? We don't have to get on the cross, but we suffer. And he said, it is a level of love. I heard this. It is a level of love you have to conquer to finish your race. That was the first thought to me, that this is about love. This isn't about what's happening around me. This is about going to a level of love where no matter what happens. And in my, in my, um, in my journal, the Lord says, when it's all said and done, just make sure that you walked in love. And the last thing you said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then I knew right away, this is going to get serious. Everybody say, get serious. But see, where there's that kind of love, look what happened. I mean, when Paul walked down the street, his shadow, people were healed in. He was completely sold out. He walked in and got by love. He preached it and he lived it, just like Jesus. You know, Jesus was the example of who God was. But if you look in the Bible, you'll see other people who walked in that kind of, a, of an anointing, that kind of thing. And, um, and, and I don't know exactly how God's going to do it in your life or what he's going to do. But um, I, I read Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1, 
And, um, you know, when this kind of love takes place, you cry. Everybody say cry. I mean, I cried for a whole year the first time God did this to me. And, uh, I mean, I cried every night that I played my piano and worshipped. I worshipped, but I cried all the time I worshipped. And, and I've known other people who, you know, have had to go through that kind of thing. I can remember Sharon Doherty, you know, talking about things that would happen to her in ministry. And, uh, and, and God would tell her, get up and sing. And, uh, and, and get your hands up. And uh, start singing. And she told the Lord, I don't feel like singing. He said, get up and sing. And, uh, and, and so she said, with three children, she had three that time. She said, it's hard to get up and just sing when you're crying and carrying on. But, you know, when you praise God, he inhabits the praises of his people. But what he also does is he takes out what doesn't belong there. And he puts in at the same time what does. And so um, that's, that, that's just the way God God has done with me, but this is what I saw as a result. You know, Jesus, it says he wept over Jerusalem right before he went to the cross because they missed their time of visitation. I'm not missing my time of visitation. This, this country is not going to miss the time of God's visitation because the church is going to become this, even if they go kicking and screaming. I mean, I've had God say to me, why are you kicking against the goads? I thought, well, I don't want you to talk to me like you talk to Paul. I mean, I'm not Paul, but he said, why are you doing that? Why don't you just let me do what I want to do? How many of you have ever heard that? I'm just being honest with you. I mean, we say we want to see miracles. We want to see signs and wonders. We want to see all these things. It's not going to be because of us. It's going to be because the anointing of God is free to go into the earth and and he'll get all the glory. This is what I saw about Nehemiah. And uh, it's in Nehemiah chapter one, verse, see, he, he, it says, and they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. And so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. I sat down and wept. I'm telling you, there's not a lot of people sitting down and weeping today over what's going on in the world, in our nation. But Jesus is. Because there are people going to hell in all kinds of situations. There are things going on that are atrocities, sex trafficking. I mean, there are things going on in this world that the church can do something about. But it takes a love. I know you're, I know you're trying, Tiff. But it takes, it takes a love that goes beyond the love that we've ever experienced. And, and we haven't experienced it yet. But it says he wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying. And out of that, he decided he would go <laughs> rebuild the walls. And so he went to the king, and the king said, why are you sad? And he told him, because, because the city is in ruins, and, and it needs help. I believe that God is going to put that heart in the church. The world is in ruins. And if the church doesn't rise up with the love of God that goes beyond what we need or what we have, then we're going to be in a situation where we're not going to get to be part of what God's getting ready to do. I want to be part of it. And, that, and I believe that God put this whole thing together and gave it to me because he said, give it up for Jesus. And then at the very end, he said to me, you wonder why you've been crying a lot? You wonder why you cry? You wonder why your heart feels like it's broken? Because I'm doing something in you. I want to tell you, when God does something in you that breaks your heart, I was singing that song, break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for the kingdom's cause. 
And I thought I was doing it. And then God said, okay, you really want me to do it? Are you really meaning that? That's why the first part of that song is, heal my heart and make it clean. Because <laughs> when he breaks it, you are going to get it. Hallelujah. New vision. And only God can do it. Everybody say, only God can do it. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.